0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Hey there, thanks for listening to the Burke Allen Show on the Blog Talk Radio Network from our studios here in the nation's capital, Washington, D.C. Today we're talking books, we're talking the Vietnam era, and we're talking about the experience of growing up Italian-American in small-town America with author John Brown. His book is called Augie's War, and uh, no less than Homer Hickam, the New York Times' number one best-selling author of Rocket Boys. that was made into the big movie, October Sky, starring Jake Gyllenhaal says of Augie's War, it's one of the most powerful novels I've yet read on the Vietnam War. As a veteran of that awful conflict, I was absolutely riveted by the tale of Augie and his buddies, and every word rang true. High praise indeed for author John Brown, who joins us today on the show. John, thanks for being here. Why write the book after all these years as you look back on on your time in Vietnam? Uh, Why write it now? Well, thanks, Burke, for for having me. Uh, Yeah,
0: I mean, when I got back from Vietnam, um, I started writing down, I guess as a way of trying to remember people and incidents, uh, some of my experiences there, and then I got the bright idea that, boy, it would be great to write a novel. And I I've gotten out of the Army. This was in 1970, 71, and um, I, I actually was in graduate school. And I had just gotten married, and so I had a about a year, and so I started writing uh, this this novel. But as luck would have it, and it is probably the case with nine out of ten people who start this uh, process, which is you know pretty uh, pretty much of a commitment, is that life intervened. Uh, I had a, a we had a child, and um, I had to get a real job, a day job. So sure. I actually put sure. it down for yeah a number of years. And every now and then I would pick it up and try to do it again. So it was kind of like a, a bucket list idea for me. I wanted to, at some point, I wanted, number one, to see if I could do it. And number two, I just felt like I had something to say. And uh, and so eventually, you know, flash forward almost 50 years, and, and I retired from my real day job, and my wife suggested that I probably needed something to do Uh, uh, to stay out of her way, and I might want to write that novel again. So that's when
1: I began writing, about about 2016, I
0: think is when I began.
1: If you're just joining us, the book we're talking about is Augie's War. The author is John H. Brown, and uh, it it deals with his time in in Vietnam as well as as growing up in small-town America, small-town West Virginia, as uh, an Italian-American kid. If you'd like to be a part of the program, the number to call is 646 668-2462, 646-668-2462. 668 646 six, 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 as, as you look back on it and, and you wrap this thing up some 50 years after, after it all happened, you, you mentioned it's a novel, but was there an element of sort of peeling back that onion and, and trying to put yourself in the mindset of that 20, 21, 22-year-old kid who is, is over there? What was that, that process like?
0: Well, you know, I get that question a lot. Is this uh, an autobiographical novel? And the real answer is yes and no. I mean, there's absolutely no way that I could have written this novel with any sense of authenticity or, um, uh, you know, I think people would have seen through it if if it was something shallow. So obviously having been there was really um, really necessary for me to to feel like I was – you know, conveying what was going on and for people to actually believe it. The other part of it was <clears throat> I had always wanted to write this book, but I was writing it about Vietnam only. And I got to thinking, I, I read a, a, uh, a piece in something called Descent Magazine uh, by this uh, English lit professor who was commissioned by the magazine to do a review of all of the Vietnam, great Vietnam novels and to, and to review them and critique them. And what she came back was, and I, I just happened on this, I was googling around my Vietnam novels, and I came up on this on this critique that she made. And what she said, which really stuck struck a chord with me, was that some of the <clears throat> some of the best novels that were written about Vietnam were excellent at talking about what it was like over in Vietnam, uh the horror of the war, all of those kinds of things, but that they all seemed to lack one essential element, and that was the humanity of the protagonist. There was no coming of age talked about. There was very little mention of family. <clears throat> there was hardly any talk of love interest. So that she, the way she explained it was there was virtually no break from the, from the gore and the horror and the blood and the sweat and the tears of war. And that's, that was her big critique on it. So I got to think when I, when I got back um, and started writing this thing, I had been writing another novel, or just noodling about writing another novel, I'm growing up in this Italian American family in uh, North Central West Virginia, and I was thinking, well, how am I going to am I going to do here? And a good good friend of mine who had read bits and pieces of both uh, of both uh, works suggested that I combine them, and I got to thinking about that and then thinking about what this woman had said about. You know the missing link, the missing element in these books about Vietnam, and I said, you know, maybe that works. And so that's 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 how if, if you if you read it, and I know you've read it, but if folks read it, it isn't just about the war. It's about a guy who goes over there, and the way that he deals with the the trauma of the of the experience and the craziness of the war. When things get really bad, he flashes back to growing up in this Italian-American family. And so to to circle back to what your original question was, yes, a lot of this is based on my experiences both in uh, growing up in in this Italian-American family and working in my grandfather's bakery in West Virginia and having been a part of a a young guy who graduates from college and is going to get drafted and goes to Vietnam.
1: So, yeah, I, I drew from all of that. If you haven't read the book yet, you've got to pick it up. I highly recommend it. It's a great read. It's Auggies War. That's A-U-G-I-E-S, com. available at amazon.com and great bookstores everywhere. Um, and uh, the publisher I saw in, in there, uh, Black Rose Writing, actually has a discount on other titles that you can check out when you pick up the book. It's also available as a great audio book. If you're somebody who, who likes to to drive or listen to podcasts, you might pick up the the audio book of Augie's war. We're talking to John Brown. He is the author of the book. And, and, and it is interesting that you have these, these chapters in the book that, that sort of take you back to, to Augie growing up in, in that bakery as a kid. And the Italian-American experience they use to sort of deflate the, the, the boredom and the horror of being in Vietnam, and they seem to alternate in your book a lot. Uh, Those chapters, I think, uh, may have been some of my favorites because the Italian-American experience that you talk about in the book is so different than what you generally read about or or you see on TV. I mean, let's face it, you think about Italian-Americans and you think about, uh, you know, growing up somewhere in one of the five boroughs in New York City. You don't think about being a small-town Italian-American. So paint that picture for us. What was it like? Uh, growing up in a, an immigrant community, an Italian-American immigrant community in small-town West Virginia. I guess it would have been the, the 1950s and 60s. Yeah, I mean, most people's,
0: sometimes most views of West Virginia are very stereotypical. You know, we, we have a hound dog on the porch and we sit uh, strumming a banjo and, and rocking back and forth, yep. drinking moonshine. And, and while some of that is true everywhere in this country, it's certainly the, 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 there is there is a whole history, not just Italian-Americans, but uh, the late 1800s to 1920, this influx, great influx of Italians, of, of Irish, of Polish, of Jewish, um, Eastern European folks who came to this country. And, and while, you know, most of the stories come out of New York City because that's where they landed and Ellis Island and many of them. Many of them <clears throat> excuse me, uh, uh, stayed there, and so that's where the, the rich heritage of the Italian-American heritage, I guess, was, was formed. A lot of them also went to different places, and the reason that they came to this area where I grew up in north-central West Virginia was somebody had been there from the area in Calabria where, where most of the people that populate um, the town that I grew up in were from, and then they, they would send a letter and say, hey, look, there's a job here. In the instance of Clarksburg, where I grew up in northern West Virginia, when I was a kid growing up, there were five glass factories, glass plants. They they made uh, – my father actually worked uh, in, in a glass factory. He polished molds, molds that you make glass from. So what happens hmm. is uh, this town – and most of the people in our town are – Emanate or come, come from this place called San Giovanni in Fiore. San Giovanni in Fiore is in Calabria, very you know very far south in in Italy, in the center part of the country, and the elevation of the of the town is over three thousand feet. So there's also that characteristic. When these people came, they were used to mountains and they were used to hills. So somebody comes, uh, Giovanni comes, and he sends for his cousins, and says, hey, there's work here, and you could work either in the coal mines in, in north-central West Virginia, you could work at a glass factory, you could be a stonemason. And so these people, one after another, came and populated this area. My grandfather, for example, came over around 1900, and he immediately was uh, got a job from a, from a fellow San Giovanni guy at, in his restaurant for a couple of weeks, and then this guy got him a job in adjacent county in Marion County about 15 miles away, in a coal mine. My grandfather worked for about 15 years digging coal by hand, sent for his wife who came over, a bride. They got married in the United States and began to raise a family growing up in a coal camp. So they were in a small coal camp. He saved almost everything he could for about 15 years. My mother actually was born in this coal camp. The town doesn't even exist anymore, it's called... Highland, West Virginia. It's in Marion County in northern West Virginia. In any event, so he saved his money, and he, he knew that he, he didn't want to be a coal miner. It was just too dangerous and a lot of, a lot of, you know, a, a lot of things that he, he didn't really want to do. So he saved his money, and then in 15 years, he, with some friends, built a bakery in Clarksburg, and that bakery then um, became his business. And his son and his nephews worked in that, and eventually I worked in that in grade school, with like the Catholic grade school in this town, and then high school, and I worked selling bread after school. And then uh, when I uh, went to high school, I would actually play a football game uh, and come home at about 1130 and go to bed, and they would wake me up at 2 in the morning, I'd go across the street to the bakery and work all night. Um, you know, but so – I had that experience, and those, and some of the people that I met in the bakery, and some of the local folks, uh, kind of legendary characters. Some of them, you know, couldn't even speak English, uh, but a lot of them. I mean, you know, so it's like it's kind of a caricature, I guess, and some of the characters that I that I draw upon and and, and I and I talk about in the book, uh, and, I, and I try to make it humorous, and I think it, I think it's somewhat humorous, but it was a relief for Augie. You know, in the in the novel now we we go to the novel and Augie like me, you know. Whenever I when things got bad, I mean, thank goodness I'd get a care package of pepperoni rolls from home, and and, and peppers and and tomato sauce, which really kind of uh, you know kept me you know from going completely crazy. And then you know thinking of those those times working in the bakery. So that's that's how that was the that was the genesis of the idea of combining the two. Experiences for Augie that that he had was you know as as not only was he in a war, but the way he got through it was uh, thinking about those times, those more pleasant
1: times growing up. And I'm sure that lots of folks who have, have served in our armed forces would would empathize with that. John Brown is the author of Augie's War, which takes place during the Vietnam era. John is a Vietnam vet, and we thank him for his service and thank him for this incredible book. And before we break for a commercial, I, I have to ask you about. The pepperoni roll. Yeah, I'm a native West Virginian. I grew up in a town with an Italian bakery. The Noletti family had an Italian bakery in my town. And and pepperoni rolls, I thought, were nationwide. Come to find out, that was a uniquely West Virginia thing. And there was a a big piece on on, uh, CBS Sunday Morning uh, within the last month or so about pepperoni rolls. So for folks who are listening in other parts of the country, what makes pepperoni rolls special? and, And what are pepperoni rolls? Describe those. Well, you
0: know, um, the Italians call called sandwiches panini. And uh, when when my grandfather and a lot of the folks that he, he they came to America with him would go to work, they, you know, in the Italian culture, generally the lunch meal is a big meal. Well, you know, they really didn't have much time to do that. They couldn't pack in, you know, all sorts of salamis and all those kinds of things and, and have a full meal. So they needed something that was um, filling was substantial And that was good And that also uh, was, was kind of Italian And so there's a big a Raging argument among All of the folks in my part of the world at, at Clarksburg Fairmont As to who actually did the first Who, who made the first step of the renewal we, my, <laughs> my, my, uh, gr- my Grandparents, they swore That they did it But th- there's a lot of people think that this, ba- this Bakery in Fairmont called the Country Club Bakery Uh, Was the first to do it. And it's real simple. It's bread dough that you flatten out. You put two or three or four sticks of little thin sticks of pepperoni in, roll it up, and bake it. And now people do fancier things, they'll add cheese to it, but we just, they're still making them the same way. My cousins still run this bakery that I grew up in. And you'll, you know, people will come and buy them by the dozen and probably eat half of them before they get home. They are really, really good. So if you and it is unique to West Virginia. I mean, I saw the piece on 60 minute, or not 60 minutes, but the CBS uh, Sunday Morning show. And um, actually, the guy that did the piece is from Charleston, West Virginia, uh, and he he you know he works for CBS full time. So he knew about it, and he interviewed a, a, a young woman who I know. Wrote this book, a recent book. Uh, Kristen Nelson is her name. I, I can't think of the name of the book, but it's all about the history of the pepperoni roll. So we, I still, I mean, I had a pepperoni roll last week. I was, so, but it's,
1: but it's pretty <clears throat> unique to West Virginia. So if you happen to drive through the mountain state of West Virginia, pick up a pepper, uh, pepperoni roll and tell them you heard about it on the Burke Allen Show with author John Brown. The book is Augie's War, that's A-U-G-I-E-S, Augie'sWar.com. And when we come back, John, I, I want to talk to you a little bit about um, the, the character of Augie in the book and, and how he wrote commendations for soldiers who had done great things in the war and also some soldiers that, that didn't make it out of the war. We'll be back with author John Brown right after this on The Burke Allen Show. Hang on.
0: Over 14 million people witnessed his emotional story of survival and triumph on national television. I've
1: been doing this now for so long, like ever since I was a kid. Millions more voted him their favorite in a
0: landslide win. The winner is... And now, you can be a part of the experience live.
1: Landau Eugene Murphy, <laughs>
0: Landau Eugene Murphy, Jr.
1: Ain't that a kick in the head? Your
0: America's Got Talent winner.
1: I've got you. Landau murphy jr under my live performing classics from the great american songbook and his columbia records debut cd
0: that's life. that's life landau eugene murphy jr's that's life tour the one concert event this year you absolutely can't miss
1: see landau eugene murphy jr live on tour in 2019 log on to landau jr.com for tour dates and more info Calvin Show live from Washington, D.C. Our number is 646-668-2462. John Brown is our guest. He is the author of Augie's War. It's a fantastic book. It's on uh, Black Rose uh, writing, and it uh, takes place during the Vietnam era. Uh, in the book, Augie Compton, who is based loosely on you, John, although it is a novel, uh, his job is to write commendations for for soldiers. And uh, you know, uh, the Purple Heart combinations, for example, and the and Silver Stars. Is that something you did in the service? And, and if so, uh, or if not, tell me a little bit more about that and where the inspiration came from. Well, I tell you, um, I, I was a,
0: a, a West Virginia University uh, journalism graduate. And when I graduated, unfortunately, I graduated in 1968, and I, I tried to put put off my graduation as long as possible because I knew – the inevitability of what was going to happen. Uh, I was going to get drafted. Or I was going to have to go to UCS or something. Um, but um, when I got to Vietnam, uh, I wasn't, they, they didn't let me be, be a journalist for the public information office. So I was supposed to get my second, what they call military occupational specialty, or MOS, which was in supply. Well, the, what happens is, when I get over there, the last week of my supply training, uh, after basic training, after ten weeks of Fort Lee, Virginia, they gave they gave us a small course on repairing small arms. And you know, you could ask my wife cutting the grass was a mechanical experience for me. I don't know how I got through that one <laughs> week. When when we when, when I get over there, I'm I'm ready to get my my final duty assignment, and I'm walking through, and I get this these orders to this landing zone, a hill to become, a, to be an armor, to fix small arms. And I just, you know, I just shook my head. So I'm 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 dead. You know, that's it. I and so I'm processing out. This is a great West Virginia story. The guy who's processing me out, a personnel guy, he looks at my record. He says, you're from West Virginia? I said, yeah. He said, well, I'm from Beckley, which is in southern West Virginia. I said, well, I'm from Clarksburg. He said, you're a college graduate? He said, yeah. He said, Why in the hell are you going out to LZ Baldy? And I looked at him, I threw my hands up, and I said, Well, you know, I don't think I have much choice. He said, Wait a second. He goes in the back and he comes back out. He said, Can you type? And I looked him right in the eye and lied and said, Yes, sir, I can type. I can type really well. And I said, <laughs> <"I'm> a <laughs> an So he says, Well, look, you've got a journalism degree. You probably can write. You can type. I want to send you up to the division headquarters. This is the AmeriCal division in the. What they call I Corps, which is way up north, uh, and uh, so I get this, this jeep thinking all along, boy, this, I'm going to screw up and not be able to type or do anything. So th- the sergeant there must have felt good for me, felt sorry for me because he said, "Yeah, I'll do." So what I did was I I would get action reports that would be sent in to me um, from the divisions, three infantry brigades about acts of heroism that um, that these these troopers participated in and rec- with recommendations for certain awards, everything from an Army Accommodation Medal all the way up to a, a Congressional Medal of Honor, which I had the privilege of, of writing for a, a kid who unfortunately uh, w- it would have been a posthumous award. And so there's a standard beginning and ending, and, and my job was to describe in, um, in with clarity what what actually happened and what why the guy deserved this specific award? So I did that for a year. I did two things: I wrote awards, and I pulled guard duty about once a week or so, and that was kind of scary. But it was uh, it was better than, and I had the greatest uh, amount of uh, respect for the guys who were out just a couple miles from me in, in the jungles. I was in a rear area. I wrote awards, and then uh, all I had to do was, was a little bit dangerous was would survive. Um, uh, rocket attacks and some, uh, and they would try to the enemy The North Vietnamese, where we were, were, were our enemy. They would try to get into our base, and so we'd be called upon to defend the base. But that's that's really what I did, and so a lot of this book is based on. You know, the Augie company is an awards writer, so you know, I could see where people would think this is totally autobiographical, but it certainly is fiction. A lot of the stuff that happens in there didn't happen. But as I explained to a friend of mine. You know, truth is stranger than fiction. I, you sometimes you cannot you couldn't write with any degree of credibility some of the things that you actually saw happen. I mean, it's just it, it's amazing. In any event, that's that's how i uh, I got to do that, and uh, a lot of a lot of guys didn't make it back. I mean it was uh, a terrible time. It, it, thank goodness, you know I cannot understand, first off, having to go back again. And I have every now and then I'll have um, things that I, I've been posted back to Vietnam wondering what hey, what are they doing with this old guy? Why am I going back? Well, you know we have an all volunteer army now, so there's nobody getting drafted and some of the some of our veterans, some of the people that are in the army and the Navy and the Air Force, the marines are going back two, three, four, even five times. I can't imagine how they can do that. I mean it's just not even if you if you get through unscathed uh, You've got to come out. You've got to be affected by. It. So I have the greatest respect for them, and and I and I, and we're not losing as many people. I think in this whole 17 years that we were in Afghanistan or wherever, we've lost um, less than 4,000 people. When I was in Vietnam, we were losing in the countrywide 400, 300, 400 a week. Um, so we lost uh, over 58,000 guys there. So the good news there is that. We're not losing as many, but the bad news is these kids are are serving, you know, more than multiple tours, and it's got to be just awful. I, I mean, I I commend them for that, but I don't I, I don't know how
1: they do it. John Brown is a, our guest. He's a Vietnam War vet and the author of an incredible book called Augie's War. One more question for you, and, and I'm not going to ask you to reveal names if, in fact, this is the case, and certainly don't want to give away. Anything from the story, folks are going to pick it up on Amazon.com. They're going to uh, go to a bookstore and buy it and, or maybe listen to the book on Audible. And, and so we don't want to give that away. But, but in the book, there are, uh, we'll call them disreputable, some, some disreputable officers and, uh, and folks that, that are your superiors who are pretty corrupt and, and make some, I guess you'd call them criminal requests of, of Augie. Uh, we don't have a lot of time left, but I want to ask you, did you really run into some superior officers that were uh, less than up and up? Well, yes. The, the short answer is yes, and a lot
0: of it had to do with anything that had to do with uh, when money exchanged hands. Uh, we had a club, an NCO club. We were all, for the most part, enlisted men. We weren't supposed to be able to go to the, to the NCO club, but what we did was, it, it, you know, the, with the advent of portable pins, uh, you know, uh, insignia. We would just slip on an, an E5 insignia, and, and and it was it was common knowledge. I mean, it was really dangerous to go to the. enlisted. I almost got killed in the enlisted man's club my first week in Vietnam. Somebody threw a grenade into the. You know, these guys are just coming. They're they're out from the bush and they're they're crazy, and the fight started. And I mean, so we we all went to the NCO club, and um, you know, it was it, it, there there was a lot of um A lot of corruption uh there were people um that that had brothels uh that were obviously not legal to have. They were um uh, a, a, a marijuana and even heroin was being sold. We had terrible racial problems uh, over there. uh We were having guys. you had to worry about getting killed by by your buddy, not your buddy necessarily but somebody that lived around you. We all carried M16s. We had access to um, uh, hand grenades and, and, and weapons, and so if somebody got angry at the first sergeant, for example, you know, I had to stop two or three guys for, from going and trying to, you know, grabbing their M16, uh, jamming a magazine, locking and loading, and going after him. And so, I mean, it was it was a it was an interesting experience. <laughs> and uh, yes, so there, there was corruption. Um, the stuff that I describe in the book is, uh, some. you may
1: think, think it's kind of out there a little bit, but it really, again,
0: a truth is stranger than fiction.
1: The book is Augie's War. There is, uh, there is all the horror, all the insanity that you can imagine in the Vietnam War, uh, but there's also this whole other side of this book that I think people really enjoy as is, is the character Augie Compton uh, thinks back to his time growing up in this somewhat idyllic small town in in West Virginia eh, as an Italian-American uh, son of immigrants. It's a, a fantastic read, a great audio book as well at, at audible.com. John, thank you so much for taking time. And, and before I let you jump, is there, uh, is there anything that you'd like to tell our listeners uh, about Augie's War? No, I
0: just I, I just think uh, when I was writing it, I was very cognizant of the fact that I wanted it to appeal to um, people other than people who want to read war books. And so I had 10 professional women uh, that, I, that I know read the manuscript just to make sure that I got their, their feelings from them and their critiques. And when they liked it, I said, well, maybe I have something here. So you don't have to be someone who likes war novels to like this book. It's a historical book. It, it talks a lot about, the, you know, the, all the, the problems we were having in the late 60s. Uh, it also talks about family, and it talks about love, and it talks about uh, coming of age. So I hope that people will give it a try, and, and, and I'd love to, to have responses from folks once they, uh, they they read it. It's gotten really good reviews on Amazon, uh, and I hope that people will take a chance on it and, and like it.
1: It's a great book. It is available at Amazon.com, bookstores everywhere. It's Augie's War, You can also find it at com. That's A-U-G-I-E-S, com. John Brown, the author, has been our guest today on the Burke Allen Show. Wherever you are, thanks for listening. Go out and make it a great day.